Welcome everyone to a new episode of The Tap. I am your host, author Andrew Hess, and today we have AEW Dynamite's recap, uh, which is, it was a weird show last night, and it wasn't bad. Parts of it felt a little disjointed. Um, the action was great. I didn't have any qu- any issues with the matches. I mean, we had we had a an interim world title match. We had a women's title match. We had a new title announcement. Um, we we had so much going on in this show. It was another one of those. It felt like everything being jammed into it. And I feel like they need to kind of space things out a little bit more just because there's so many different little promos and video packages always being like just shoved into it. Um, we kicked off the show with the AEW interim world championship on the line. John Moxley defending against El Toro Blanco, a.k.a. Roosh. Um which was, I thought it was a really good match between them. The only thing I didn't like was within the first two minutes of the match, Roosh is biting John Moxley's head and instantly do, they do a blade job. Moxley's bleeding. Every single week, AEW is sitting there having someone bleeding all over the place. And this wasn't the only time that we saw blood on the on the show last night. We saw we we saw it in the main event too with Dan, with Brian Danielson. Uh, but we'll get to that much later on in the show. But I just felt like it's not necessary to always carry out with the blood. Now, don't get me wrong. I wasn't. I I was a huge ECW fan, and I mean the original ECW. I watched from late 96 all the way up until 2000. I think it was 2000 was when they closed up shop. Um, I watched everything during that time frame. I loved the violence. I loved seeing the chaos, the jumping off balconies, the, and, and I got into like the bleeding, but it gets to a point where it, it be, when it's, Every single occurrence, every single time you see a show, it loses the uh, the effect of oh my god, he's bleeding. And with John Moxley matches, it's every single t- match, either John Moxley or his opponent is busted up and bleeding. Not not necessary. Um. Like I said, it was a really good match. Um, Andrade, Andrade, El Idolo gets involved, uh, pushing Moxley off the top rope at one point. Lucha Bros come out and run off Andrade. Um, Moxley kept on trying to go for his sleeper, the the chokehold that he that he does, um, the rear naked choke, um, ends up hitting the Death Rider and gets the win. Jericho and the JAS, well, half of the JAS comes out um, with him. It was uh, Angelo Parker, Sammy Guevara, Ty Conti, Anna Jay, and Jericho who come out. Jericho starts cutting a promo and saying he wants his much anticipated, 
uh, title rematch that he had, which he should have had already, but he didn't. Um, so it looks like I think they said in two or three weeks' time we're supposed to be getting Jericho versus Moxley on AEW Dynamite, which should be great. Um, the thing, the the two things that I actually really enjoyed about the promo had nothing to do with Jericho. It was actually other members of the JAS. So, first off, what I like, they they keep on always taking these shots at WWE about the sports entertainers. And you had Angelo Parker take it one step even further and not only just mocking WWE, but mocking Roman Reigns. When he, he takes the microphone and goes, AEW Galaxy, appreciate us. I just thought it was great. I could not help but bust out laughing over this. And then we have Anna Jay. And she turns around. And she's like, yeah, you know, I am the I am the new Anna J. She goes, in fact, you can call me Anna J.A.S. for the Jericho Appreciation Society. And I, I just part me part of me liked at least that part of the promo, but everything else I really wasn't super sold on when it comes to her because she's acting like some spoiled little teenage brat when there was no one even making comments at her, no one really booing as much when it came to her. Like she just starts like stomping around and I'm like, why? That, that made no sense. Jericho ends up reminding us also that there are other members of the JAS that are in competition this week, including Sammy Guevara and uh, Daniel Garcia. Then we wind up getting the announcement that everyone's been waiting for for almost a year now, which was the announcement that there will be the AEW trios titles. There will be trios titles now in AEW. The finals of whatever tournament they're going to end up having will take place at AEW All Out. Um, we had a brief backstage promo with Dante Martin, who's going to be taking on uh, Sammy Guevara later on in the night. And he said, and the question was, how are you going to combat, uh, you know, the, the likelihood of interference from Ty Conti and Dante Martin brings in sky blue, his actual, his real life girlfriend, who is also a wrestler for AEW that she will be accompanying him to ringside to make sure that Ty Conte does not get involved. We continue on and have a Ricky Starks video package uh, leading to his title match where he's defending the F the FTW, the unrecognized championship, the FTW champion uh, against Dan Housen, <clears throat> successfully defends against him, hits the spear to get the win, uh, and then says, I still got something left in the tank. Let's get me another challenger. And exactly what we knew was going to happen, happened. Hook came out to the ring. 
He took on Ricky Starks. And what was actually a, a pretty decent match for a quick match. Uh, Ricky Starks goes for Rash, uh, Rashambeau and Hook counters it and locks in what we used to call the Taz Mission. It used to be called the Katahajame. It's now called Red Rum. Hooks it in. Gets the tap out victory. We have a new FTW champion in Hook. This was perfect. Um, we come back from break, and Ricky Starks is still in the ring, and he actually cuts pretty much a babyface promo. Um, I was actually, I I was pretty happy with it, to be honest with you. Um, I kind of want to see Ricky Starks as a babyface. He needs a, a a gimmick overturn, like you know something something new. Um, and you're definitely gonna get it because Powerhouse Hobbs clocks Ricky Starks from behind, hits the spine buster, leaves him laying. So it looks like we're gonna get a Ricky Starks Powerhouse Hobbs feud going, which pretty much now dissolves all of Team Taz because Hook really wasn't part of Team Taz anymore. He's just Taz's son. Ricky Starks loses the FTW championship. Taz kind of seemed like he was siding with Ricky Starks even after the loss. And then Powerhouse Hobbs just uh, uh, takes him out. So either Taz is going to go with Ricky, Taz is going to go with Powerhouse Hobbs, or we're just dissolving all of Team Taz altogether, which is fine. We have the acclaimed cut a promo backstage announcing that on Rampage they are going to cut a uh, uh, they're going to release a, a rap video about the Gun Club aka the Ass Boys uh, and they do a bunch of puns using ass like ass cream and ass wipes and it's just you, you gotta just laugh along when it comes to the acclaim because it's just stupid and funny. Uh, then we get to honestly, it was my match of the night. Sammy Guevara with Ty Conti getting the win over Dante Martin with Sky Blue at ringside. I thought this was an equally matched competitive match that really just in my opinion, it sold the show. I mean, Daniel Garcia and Brian Danielson was a very close second, in my opinion, as match of the night. And many people will probably call that one the match of the night. But I have my reasons why I don't feel that that was the match of the night, and we'll get into that in just a few minutes. But Dante Martin and Sammy Guevara just really countered each other so perfectly. I mean, literally, you know, to... Sammy Guevara doing his typical taunts, Dante Martin getting the better of Sammy, doing then mocking Sammy with his own taunts, Sammy Guevara throwing Dante Martin out of the ring, going to like, you know, launch himself over, does a baseball slide out of the ring right as Dante Martin gets in the ring. Dante Martin shoots off the ropes, goes to do like the his like a springboard move. 
He springboards up onto the top rope, backflips off of it, lands on his feet in the ring right as Sammy slides in. And you just see the look on Sammy Guevara's face like, oh, crap. Then you actually end up having, later on in the match, really like towards the end of it, Dante Martin goes to hit his multi-springboard moonsault. So he pops up onto the one rope, jumps to the rope that's right next to it to go hit his moonsault. And as he does so, Sammy Guevara gets out of the ring, hits his springboards the exact same way that Dante Martin just did, but then comes down with a cutter. I I was loving this match. And, and I mean, the fact that no one really got involved in this match at all, considering you had Ty Conti and Sky Blue both at ringside, and you had a decisive finish, made this really stand out even more to me. Because these are two guys that I can see being the future of AEW. I see Sammy Guevara being a future world champion in AEW. I see Dante Martin being a future TNT champion. I could see him being a future All-Atlantic champion, possibly even getting to the point where he becomes an AEW world champion someday, someday down the line, maybe years from now. But someday he could do it. After the match, though, Sammy convinces Ty Conti to just stomp away on a down uh, Dante Martin. Uh, Sammy looks to be about to go hit either a 450 or a 630 splash off the, the top rope. Sky Blue gets in the way. Ty Conti and Sky Blue start uh, brawling. Anna, uh, Anna Jay comes out, and it's now a two-on-one assault. Sammy Guevara starts to go after Dante Martin. Out comes Ruby Soho, Eddie Kingston, and Ortiz to make the save. Um, and announced for Rampage, it will be Ruby Soho versus Anna Jay. Uh, we have a Daniel Garcia promo uh, going on about Brian Danielson. Jay Lethal, Sanjay Dutt, and Satnam Singh cut a promo in the parking lot uh, going off about Orange Cassidy and the best friends who happen to be standing like only a few feet away, even acknowledging that, and end up forcing Sanjay Dutt to back himself into a corner, booking a six-man tag team match for Rampage, Orange Cassidy, and the best friends will take on Jay Lethal, Sanjay Dutt, and Satnam Singh. We have Jurassic Express come out to cut a promo. This was my favorite promo of the night. Literally, Jungle Boy just comes straight out. And as soon as he gets on the microphone, goes, Christian Cage, you're you're the biggest pussy ever. You he he just keeps going after Christian with low blows, the way that Christian was doing low blows. Uh, on the microphone to Jungle Boy over the last few weeks. And Jungle Boy winds up saying, you know, I know why you're so bitter that you didn't get the bonus for winning that battle royal. And it's because your wife decided to divorce you 
your divorce finalized right at that same time, so you were broke. And then goes on about how uh, Christian is, you know, speaking of uh, men who wear turtlenecks and, and are small pricks, and the fan starts chanting something. He goes, yeah, what do you think happened to his wife? I I was just losing it over this promo because this was by far the best promo I've ever heard from Jungle Boy. It was the best, the best promo of the night. And I was just loving it, man. I'm loving this feud between Christian and Jungle Boy. And it's this is almost exactly what I was hoping for when I saw that Jungle Boy had eliminated Christian Cage from the Casino Battle Royal last year. Christian gets on the microphone, ends up giving some sort of response to it, but really it, it meant nothing to me. Uh, Christian's response. It, it was, didn't give the same effect that Jungle Boys uh, had. Young Bucks end up running into Hangman Adam Page backstage. Um, Matt Jackson actually turns around and says, you know, I've, I've been meaning to go and talk to you. And Hangman's like, yeah, sure. You know, like, let's talk. And here comes the Dark Order celebrating Hangman Adam Page's birthday. The Young Bucks are just like, you know what? Forget about it. And they walk off. Uh, Swerve Strickland gets the win over Tony Nese and Smart Mark Sterling in a handicap match. Um, in the back, Josh Woods ends up taking out Keith Lee right after the match. And standing over him, holding one half of the AEW tag team titles at this point. Swerve is distracted by it. Tony Nese takes out Swerve and holds his uh, Swerve's cop, uh, half of the tag team titles. So it looks like we got Tony Nese going to be paired up with Josh Woods. Uh, and they're going to be looking to challenge for those tag team titles soon. Uh, you had a House of Black video promo where Malachi Black keeps going on about Miro and then you have uh, Brody King challenging Darby Allen to a coffin match you go to a video of Pac defending the All-Atlantic Championship then you have the Women's Championship defended, Thunder Rosa retains over Miyu uh, Yamashita who had beaten Thunder Rosa over in Japan a couple of weeks ago. Announced also, I believe it's for next Dynamite, is going to be Thunderstorm, Thunder Rosa and Tony Storm, taking on Britt Baker and Jamie Hayter. I really feel like we're kind of moving more and more towards a women's tag team division with AEW, which is very possible. And then your main event match was Daniel Garcia getting the win over Brian Danielson. And again, this was probably... A very close second when it came to match of the night. Um, my my ways of of discrediting is one. It was really unnecessary for the for the blood on Brian Danielson. Um, I don't think it was really necessary. I feel like it had a greater impact in this particular match than for the Moxley match at the beginning of the show. Again, I just feel like having blood at least once 
in, in one match every single AEW Dynamite is just getting too much. It's getting too carried away with it. It's not needed. I do see the value in the Brian Danielson blade job because the way he kept on persevering through the the head trauma that he was receiving in the match, the loss of blood, and then him tapping out to uh, the sharpshooter or Scorpion Deathlock, whatever you want to call it, um, where it was really cinched in and Daniel Garcia's like reaching all the way back on that and Brian Danielson unable to get out of it and passes out. I, I It made it understandable and I got why. But having someone already bleed earlier in the show it's just like, eh, another person's bleeding. Oh, well. It really didn't have as much of an impact on me as a viewer and someone who's also reviewing and recapping the shows as it would if Moxley had not done, had not been bleeding earlier in the show. Or had they not been doing this every single week where someone's bleeding. Then the other piece of this that I didn't like is you're kind of taking a little too many risks. DDT on the concrete. You know, they're, they're purposely targeting Brian Danielson's head during this match. He was out with a concussion again. He was out with a, a legitimate head injury. From what my from my understanding it was, they should have been like they should have been looking at it as the issue was his knee from when he got trapped between the the ring ramp and the the ring. It should have been more of a play on the knee than focusing on his head, just because it would make more sense. Then you actually have Brian Danielson get a good comeback. And as he's getting back into the ring, he already rolled Daniel Garcia in. He starts to get into the ring. And Jake Hager is underneath the ring, slips up between the ring apron and the ring to hold Brian Danielson's leg until he's kicked away. And then Daniel Garcia hits a pile driver and then locks in the sharpshooter. <clears throat> how would how would Jake Hager know that that was Brian Danielson right there? The, the apron's not see-through. So it w- would have made more sense would have been Daniel Garcia's distract the referee and as Brian Danielson gets into the ring and Jake Hager just comes out from the crowd, dips low, grabs the ankle to stop Brian Danielson from getting in there, gets kicked away, and he just hides underneath the ring at that point. Would have made more sense. And again, it goes back to what I said last week, that there's these little nuances that if you actually look at and and kind of do a little bit more thinking and planning and being more strategic 
it would have a greater impact on the show. I really don't think that the Jake Hager part really would have made that much more of an impact, but it would have been at least a little bit more believable. Um, and the other thing that I really, I really think that they need to start focusing in on for Dynamite is yes, you're having one women's title, uh, one women's match on the show every week. And usually you have one on Rampage. You have a whole bunch of them on Dark and Dark Elevation. But you need to start establishing more of these female wrestlers on your main shows. And doing promos is not the way to just do that. We need to have a reason to care about them and be able to see them perform. So I, I, I'm i all for the fact that you want to showcase Thunder Rosa on the show in a match or cutting a promo, whatever. Britt Baker, fine. You know, like have her do promos, whatever you need to do. But you need to have more female matches. Have a female tag team match, you know, as one of your, not the, the show opener, but maybe one of the first matches after the show opener. Doesn't have to be a long, drawn out match. Give them five, ten minutes. Let us see more wrestlers. Have a one-on-one match. Give us the five, ten minutes of a one-on-one female match at the beginning, like towards the beginning of the show, and one towards the end of the show. Give us a reason to sit here and care about the women's championship. Because you're not giving us that. So when Thunder Rosa has a challenger, all of us are sitting here going, I don't care. It was the same thing when you had Hikaru Shida. Hikaru Shida was, was and is a great wrestler. But you never established credible contenders to go against her. Everyone was waiting on Britt Baker to finally get that chance to challenge for the title. That was the only person that they cared about because there was time and effort put into Britt Baker. I don't see time and effort being put into anybody other than Jade Cargill, who is your TBS champion. We already know Athena is going to challenge Jade Cargill eventually at some point. We know Statlander is getting involved with the whole mech mix with the, the baddies. But most of that's being handled over on Rampage. You might get a promo or something on AEW Dynamite. Or you might get that one random match that is dedicated to a women's match on AEW Dynamite, having one of them in there. And then interference or run-ins at the end, something. But you got to establish more. You're building up so much when it comes to the trios tag team titles now. You've been doing it. Everyone's been waiting and waiting and waiting for now for so long for these trios titles. We finally get them. You you keep on inter- entering more and more titles. We have the ROH t- titles involved too. But you're not giving enough time for the rest of your show to develop contenders 
It's why you need to really start focusing on a show specifically for ROH, whether it's an internet show or an actual cable show. And you need to find ways to take your internet shows, your YouTube shows that you have for Dark and Dark Elevation, make them relevant and make people come to see them, that they have some sort of impact on your main roster shows. Because honestly, you have good matches here and there on AEW Dynamite, uh, sorry, on AEW uh, Dark and Dark Elevation. I see them posted on uh, on Instagram to promote the for that day's shows, but we need more. Posting the day of isn't going or the day before doesn't really give us much time or reason, and most of them are facing jobbers. You might have like one or two actual matches where it's people from the main roster fa- wrestling each other. I mean, I could sit here. And I could go on to AEW right now, right? I'm going to go onto their Instagram right now while I'm on the fu- while I'm on this right now with you guys. Okay. AEW. All Elite Wrestling. Here we go. All right. Let's go. Um, let's circle back. We're going to, we're going to look for an AEW Dark and Dark Elevation. Here we go. So, this was posted two days ago. The same day that it was. Angela Parker versus Cameron Stewart. Blake Christian versus Ari Davari. Cole Carter versus Mike Orlando. Dante Martin versus Pretty Peter Avalon. When was the last time Peter Avalon ever competed on Dynamite or Rampage? He's irrelevant. Renee Michelle versus Julia Hart. Ali Rex versus Kira Hogan. Tracy Nix versus Marina Shafir. Ryan Nemeth versus Alex Reynolds. Slim J versus Blake uh, Blake Lye. I could sit here and predict every single one of those matches right now. I don't need to see AEW Dark or Dark Elevation because I already can figure out who's winning just by the fact that they're facing jobbers. There's nothing that actually brings you to want to watch that show. Nothing. This is why no one watches and why it, it just becomes like a way for you to go and and, and basically sit here and, and pad their their uh, their win loss record. But it doesn't give us anything that we actually want to see. It doesn't give me a reason to sit here and be like, hey, I need to go and watch AEW Dark. So I'm sorry if I'm going on a rant, but I, I just needed to go and really <clears throat> just kind of lay this out. Like, look, I'm a huge fan of AEW, but you really do need to go ahead and step up in other ways. 
the action is great. You got you have the best roster of wrestlers by far. WWE can sit there and be like, oh, we got the greatest collection of wrestlers. We have the greatest wrestlers in the world. You have the greatest known wrestlers in the world. But that doesn't mean you have the greatest roster of wrestlers. AEW definitely has the best roster overall of wrestlers because these people can perform and they're not driven into the same model as everybody else in WWE. So you have things that make you stand out, but you don't capitalize on these things. And that's why, like, I I think Tony Khan is a very intelligent man. But handling all this on his own is going to be the detriment to his company. He needs people. First off, he needs somebody who, like him, is a huge wrestling fan. Who also has good business sense. Who knows what the fans want and want to see. And can also help with the storyline creating. (coughs) Half of this stuff about wrestlers not having a script. You might have a couple bullet points to hit, but you're letting the wrestlers do their own promos. This is good in some ways. Bad in others. Because if you have someone who who can really speak on the mic, great. If you don't, they're going to flop. Like Dante Martin, don't get me wrong. Great wrestler. I can't recall a single real promo he's given. I mean, he gave the, the promo backstage on Dynamite last night to introduce that Sky Blue was going to be in his corner. But other than bringing her out to be in his corner, there wasn't anything memorable about it. There wasn't any passion, excitement, nothing in his voice. So you can have all the talent you want in the world when it comes to being an in-ring performer. As a wrestler, he is one of, he's definitely highly ranked in my opinion. But as a promo person, I, I he wouldn't even be in my top 100 right now. And that's the thing that they need to work on. They need to work on these things. They need to be able to use dark and dark elevation to help with the promo work for these wrestlers, but carry it into a storyline that actually impacts dynamite and rampage. So you have the back and forth happening, but now you got to go to dark and dark elevation to see it. Oh, oh, now we, now we got something coming up on AEW dynamite, Dante Martin. And he comes out and he actually cuts a good promo. Then you have a reason why. It's because he he was doing proper work on Dark and Dark Elevation and got people to see. Because you carried the storyline through to Dynamite and Rampage. <clears throat> 
because there have been a few times that they tried doing that, but it wasn't an interesting enough storyline, but it did get my attention. I was interested in it for a brief moment, but they didn't, they didn't continue to follow it through on that next dark and dark elevation. Consistency is the key. And when you have one person responsible and handling all this, this four shows of chaos, that's exactly what you're going to get is chaos. They're great shows. Dynamite and Rampage. You put on hell of a matches. But just jamming in promos and video packages left and right and trying to continue a storyline that really no one cares about. Why? Why? So that is going to end our show for today. Uh, we have a lot more coming up this week. We have SmackDown on Friday. We have Rampage on Friday. And we have SummerSlam on Saturday. So we are going to do our best to cover all three shows. Uh, we will see what we can come up with. And hopefully SmackDown is actually a good road home show this week. Uh, tune in next time as we cover these uh, these shows and more. Until then, I am author Andrew Hess, and this has been The Tap.